We just sang the words, use my voice to tell your story. That's a scary thing for a lot of us to go out and sort of talk about our faith and maybe face questions and interactions that are difficult to, for us to answer and maybe we're concerned about tension in relationships and so we have this great tool this great resource called alpha which is a, a video discussion series which is available to us as a church to take part in so that we can enter in those conversations in a very non-threatening way over the last number of weeks we've been looking at how the gospel the good news of jesus can make a difference in our lives and hopefully as we've been going through this series you've been walking away encouraged and uplifted but i also hope a little bit inspired and challenged to to ask yourself the question who can i share this good news with and because of those challenges but also because of the things we say we want to do we're hosting alpha starting on october 16th and for eight sunday nights in a row we're going to invite Whoever wants to come for our community, and hopefully you and a friend or family member and coworker to come together for dessert and to watch a video and to have some discussion on the big questions of life from a Christian perspective. And so whether you're here and you're a skeptic or a seeker of truth or you're new to the Christian faith or you know someone who fits in one of those categories, we would love for you to come and join us at Alpha. It's going to be a great time together. If you have questions, my email is up there. You can find it on the website. I would love to answer them. If you want to sign up, uh, that would be awesome. Anyone can come, but it's great to know so we have enough dessert and coffee for everyone. Uh, the coffee helps the questions flow, and the dessert gives us something to do when we feel awkward about the questions. So we want to make sure there's enough of all that. But as we think about where we're at as a church, as we respond to the songs we sing in advance of the message, I also want to encourage us to consider how we can make a difference with other things besides our voice. And one of those things is through our finances. As a church, we take time for us to give uh, tithes and offerings. These are ways that we contribute to the work that God is doing. Now, we're not passing the plate, uh, and if you're new or a visitor here, there's no obligation to give, but there is an invitation that if you want to be involved in seeing the good news of who Jesus is in advance, uh, you can participate by giving, and you can do that at Connect Desk online through the Tithely app, and how your giving goes to work to make a difference is it allows us to fund things like putting on Alpha as an outreach into our community, and that makes a huge difference. In fact, the last time we ran Alpha, uh, there was a woman who had heard about it, who sort of knew our church, but she decided that she had this friend who was uh, a pretty hardcore skeptic about the Christian faith, but she didn't know how to answer questions, and so she brought him here, and he came in actually quite antagonistic. I remember the first week he fully told me, he said, I think you're a nut job. I don't know why I'm really here except to come with my friend because I want to ask these hard questions and see if you even have an answer to them. And Alpha was great because it allowed us to welcome him in. And what was amazing is over the course of the 10 weeks we ran the Alpha program that time, we saw him move from a, a hardcore skeptic to someone who was seeking. He actually, through the 10 weeks, was so inspired by what he learned to read the entire Bible in those 10 weeks. And by the very end, he came to faith in Jesus. 
This is what happens as we give to the church. We're investing in our ability to reach people who are far from God so that their lives might be transformed by him. And so if you'd love to give, uh, we would love uh, to receive and to partner with you. And we thank you to everyone who makes an investment because your investments are having real tangible change. So thank you for how you give. Now, as we continue on in worship, and we're going to study God's word here in a minute, let me just take time to thank God for what he's doing in our church, pray for what's upcoming and things like Alpha, and for what God's going to do through how we give. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. God, we thank you that we can sing those songs this morning about who you are, that we can declare that we should be in worship, that we should be on our knees, that we should be using our voice and our arms and our feet and God, the whole of us, because you've offered all of you to us. And so God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are a God who is worth chasing after. And God, we thank you that we don't have to run far because you are always there calling us to yourself. And God, we look forward to what you're going to do in our church over the coming season. Lord, I especially uh, look forward to what you're going to do this morning as we study your word, but also as we think about Alpha coming up in a few weeks. Lord God, will you just be preparing hearts to hear from you? Lord, as we give towards these things, we pray that it wouldn't be uh, a burden or uh, a heavy weight that we carry, but Lord, maybe a sacrifice, but one that we can do joyfully because we see how you're at work. So Lord, take the offerings that will be offered this morning, the ones that have already been given, the ones that will be given later, Lord God, and, and use them to accomplish your will. Lord God, now as we study your word, uh, we just invite you to speak clearly to us, to bring us hope. God, I pray that this morning's message would be so hope-filled, and so Lord God, would these words not be mine, but that would they be yours? Holy Spirit, just speak clearly to each one of us and what we need to hear from you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Has anyone read Huckleberry Finn, the book? It's a great classic book that I had to read as a kid, but there, there's something in there that I think fits perfectly with our message today. Today we're talking about how the good news of Jesus impacts our future, and there's this sort of funny narrated section by the character Huckleberry Finn. He has this in interaction with this old sort of miserable widow that's in his neighborhood, and this is what he says. He says, the widow Douglas told me all about the bad place, and I said, I wish I was there. She said that was a wicked thing to say. She was going to live so that she could go to the good place. And she said it would be wonderful. A all a body would have to do there is go around all day long with a harp and sing forever and ever. Well, I couldn't see any advantage in going where she was going, so I made up my mind I wouldn't try for it. Huckleberry Finn is this great depiction of what a sort of free life looks like and the whimsy that it could be, but he really missed the point. But I kind of get it. I mean, for a lot of us and a lot of people at large, when we think about the future, when it comes to faith, we have this picture that's really quite boring. We picture the Philadelphia cream cheese ad where we all will get to go up and eat a bagel with a little bit of cream cheese as we sit on our puffy cloud in our white togas and we get to play the harp. I mean, I, I'm, with, I'm with Huck Finn. If that is the future of life with faith, I'm out. 
I mean, that just sounds miserable to me. For starters, I can't play any musical instrument. I'm terrible at it. And then besides, I just, I just want to do stuff. I want to see stuff. I want to experience things. And, and so if this is all there is to a future of faith, count me out. But the good news is that's not all there is to it. There's so much more in store for people who put their faith and trust in Jesus. And that's what we're going to explore today. As we've talked about the good news of Jesus and, and how do we come to faith, we talked about how we encounter the living God who came to earth, who died on a cross, who rose again, also that if we had put our faith and trust in him, we might have life and turn our present into a distant past so that we could live a flourishing life. We talked about how we would go through life and we can go through life with confidence to face the different trials and difficult times because of the good news of Jesus. Well, today we're going to look at the idea that when all is said and done at the end of our life, there really is a whole lot more because of what Jesus has accomplished. And my hope for all of those of us who are followers of Jesus is that we would leave encouraged uh, some of you, us are distant off from the day that we will die. And so for us, I hope and I pray that we would just have sort of an expanded vision of what the future could be for those of us who are perhaps a little closer to experiencing life in heaven. I hope that you'll find peace and comfort today in knowing that God has a lot in store that's rich and going to be full of meaning. Um, but as we try to get there, what I'd love for us to do is go to scripture. And so if you've got a Bible with you, uh, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses 3 to 9 and pick up what he says about the future. And then in a, in a few moments, we'll jump forward from there to look at what someone else had to say about what the future looks like in Jesus. So here we pick up in verse 3, Peter's writing to discouraged Christians who are facing persecution, trial. They've been displaced from their homeland on top of all the other issues that come with life. And he says this. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And he's brought us into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all of this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, these things have come, so that the proven genuineness of your faith, which will be of greater worth than gold, which would perish even though refined by fire, so that it may result in the praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls." Now, as Peter writes this, what we see is that he does give us all sorts of these different sections of time. He speaks in past tense and present and into the future. And as he talks about the future, he uses this word inheritance. He says that we have an inheritance and that it's being kept for us and that one day we will receive the full picture of that inheritance when the fullness of our salvation comes. Well, what's an inheritance? An inheritance is when the assets of one person 
are passed down to someone else after the first person died. So when someone dies, they sometimes leave an inheritance to someone else. Sometimes that's monetary, sometimes it's things. It, it can be all sorts of things, but it's passed down after someone dies. Now, this has been quite the discussion in the news lately. In fact, even if you were reading the news yesterday, uh, some new reports came out about an online study to do with Canadians and their views of inheritance. They surveyed uh, Gen Z and millennial Canadians across the country, and they found out in this study that over half of them are waiting on a financial inheritance in order to be able to accomplish their dreams. As Canadians look around the world, what they're saying is they're saying the market is so crazy, things are so wild, that we're never going to be able to enter the market without help from our family. We're never going to be able to set up a nest egg or retirement portfolio because our rent is too high. They're looking at all these things and as they think about even planning a family, they say it's going to be really hard for me to have kids unless there's a lot of help from my family and friends. And so they're waiting. Over half of Gen Z and millennials are waiting for something to help them see a little bit of hope. On the other hand, they surveyed older generations, and only 54% of Canadian boomers and older are thinking about leaving an inheritance to their children. They say, the market's so crazy, I can barely afford to live for myself. How on earth am I going to leave an inheritance. 46% of Canadians over the age of 50 say there is no way I'm going to have enough to pass on to all my children. And so we see that there's a lot of people without hope for the future. There's a lot of people who look at what's coming in life and they see things getting narrower and narrower. I'm not going to be able to realize my dreams. I'm not going to be able to have those things that I so desperately want. And it takes us to a very dark place, especially if we have no faith. What's this all going to be for? It's all just going to come to an end. So I get to suffer a little while and miss out on my hopes and dreams. And then the end. It's a scary situation. It's a difficult thing to face. But the good news of what Peter writes about and that we see in scripture is that's not how we can see the future as people of faith. In fact, he says that there is an inheritance in verse 4, and it's already there. It's already one. It's kept in heaven for you. You see, the inheritance that we're going to receive from the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ isn't something that we may or may not get. God isn't looking at the market, wondering how his portfolio is going to do for the end and going, oh, am I going to have enough for all my kids? Like, is this going to work? How can I count the beans in just the right way so this is going to play out good in the end? No, God already has enough in store for our benefit. And he's holding it and he's waiting for us to come to him so he can give it to us. Now, this inheritance, sure, isn't money. It's not going to help us buy a house. It's not going to help us plan for our kids. But it's so much more than that. We're told by Peter that we receive a salvation, that we're saved from our sin 
But why are we saved from our sins? So that we can have an eternal life. And we all know that this is said all throughout Scripture. Most of us are probably familiar at least with John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he sent his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Well, what is this eternal life as an inheritance? Well, Jesus gives us some indication about this. In John 17.3, he said, as he's praying, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God. What's our inheritance? It's God himself. It's the creator and sustainer of the universe, the one who would see us headed for death and would come down to die so that we might live. Sure, we might end in physical death, but then we can experience a physical and spiritual resurrection to live in heaven and on a new earth with him. And there's a whole lot of benefit to that. There's a lot of great news in this. And, and actually, if you've got your Bible, I'd love for you to jump to Revelation chapter 21 so we can look a little bit more in depth. Here in the last book of the Bible, we see that we have God giving his friend John a vision of what things are going to be like in the end. God knew that many people were going to be like those who are suffering in Peter's days and like us who are suffering today and struggling to look for hope in the end. And, and he knew that that would come in, so he wanted to speak some hope into our lives. And so he gave John this vision about what things would be like in that end. And he writes this in verses 1 to 5. John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and now there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down. For these words are noteworthy and true. There's a lot to look forward to in the end as followers of Jesus. For starters, there's going to be a time when there is no more death, mourning, sickness, suffering, or pain. That's what he says in verse 4. God will come to us and wipe away our tears because there's no more need for tears to be shed. When Jesus returns or when we die and enter into God's presence in heaven, there will be no more sin. Sin is missing the mark. It's, it's going away from God's perfection. And because God is holy, he's perfect, he's set apart, there can be no more sin. Well, sin is the source of suffering and sadness and brokenness and hurt and death. So when we're with God, there can be no more 
of those things. Those atrocities will be wiped away. And that should make us hopeful. That's a pretty awesome thing. I mean, in my job, I have... I don't know whether to call it a privilege or a struggle, but I, I get to walk alongside a lot of people who are going through different hurts and pains in their lives. We see people who are having relational fallout all over the place. We know of people who are sick and dying and people who are suffering in many different ways. And chances are we all know someone here too. This room is, is full of those stories, whether we're suffering from one of those things or it's one of our closest friends or family members, we all know what it looks like to go through pain and to face tragedy and death. And oftentimes I find myself asking God to take it away. Like, God, come on. Like, when is this going to end? But the reassurance that we have here is that it is coming to an end. That God has already started defeating sin and death and pain and sadness and sorrow when he went to the cross and died and rose again. He showed that he had power over it. And he says, as part of this power, what I'm going to do as I go up into heaven is I'm going to reserve for you a place with me where there will be no more of those things. And so as hard as it is to walk through the suffering, sickness, and death right now, we know God has promised that there's a purpose, that he's allowing it for a little while so he can accomplish his purposes. God redeems even the worst of things so people come to faith in him because he's a generous and loving God. He wants opportunity for himself to, to, to win us to him. And then he says that if we put our trust in him, that if we live our lives following and experiencing a little bit of the flourishing that he wants to bring and following in his ways, that we will, in the end, be resurrected over sin and death. Instead of living in the world that you are living in right now, we will one day live in perfect harmony with God and all this other junk is going to fade away gives me a lot to hope for it gives me a much bigger picture of what comes next but god gives an even bigger picture than that he, he says not only is is some of this junk that we all hate gonna go away but things are going to be made new again in verse 5 we read he who was seated on the throne said i am making everything new before that, we see that, that God is going, has a plan. He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. This isn't going to be a Philadelphia cream cheese commercial. It's not just all clouds and blue skies and that's it. Our God is a creative God who has created everything that we see outside. I mean, even just as I drove here this morning, I got to come as the sun's coming up over the mountains. I see Mount Baker as I come down the road and I go, wow, look at all of this. And God says, you think this is good? This is what it looks like in a state of brokenness. I'm not going to leave it like this. I'm going to make it even better. Even heaven as it is, I'm going to make more perfect. And so when you come to me, I'm going to give you the picture of what it should really be like. I like to think about this as a promise from God for the backstage tour of how things should have been. I mean, when God created the heavens and the earth, he says, this is very good. 
And we know that humans, Adam and Eve, and angelic presences all lived with him at least for some period of time perfectly. But then with the entrance of sin came death. Satan and his demons were kicked out of heaven, Adam and earth, and Eve were kicked out of Eden to walk along the rest of earth. And sometimes I find myself wondering, what could that have been like? Man, like, I mean, I, I, I put down Adam and Eve, and I need to repent of that, because I know I do it too, but, you know, I, I, I want to get in. I'm like, I want to see what Eden was like. I want to see what heaven would have been like before any of this. God says you will because I'm going to make it exactly the way it should be and I'm going to let you live with me there you're going to get to walk on the earth and see every living creature every mountaintop every canyon bottom exactly as it should be there's not going to be any effects of sin warping the goodness and the newness now we get to walk in that God's gracious and he's kind and he's loving and he wants to invite us to have an experience that we could never possibly have. Even if we had every other inheritance on earth, we could never experience what God wants to provide for us with him. You know what else I'm really looking forward to? I'm really looking forward to actually knowing God. Every single one of us has a wrong understanding of God. Who I know God to be, who I even teach God to be, I'm here on a Sunday, isn't fully true of him. And the reason isn't because I'm just like making it up and throwing it out. It's not because you have some type of malicious attitude about how you want to view God. It's because we have a limited capacity. We have a limited ability to understand. We have uh, all sorts of sin distorting the effects of how we understand scripture and how we see him but one day it's all going to come clear we're going to get to see him for who he really is we're going to get to know him and see the we think he's good right now as believers i think i think we can all agree god's pretty awesome God's amazingly loving. He's super gracious. He's awesome. He's powerful. He's merciful. He's incredible. And he's way better than that. And we're going to get to see that. And we're going to get to see that because God will spend time with us. The good news of the gospel and for our future is that it means that in the right time, God will also dwell with us. There will be no more separation from him. Look in verse 3, it said, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. I'm really looking forward to an eternity spent with God. Now that used to freak me out a little bit. I used to be like, like, I don't want to be every day with someone. <laughs> like, that, that used to be my perspective, you know? Like, I, I struggle being every day with me, let alone someone else. And I, and I think to myself a little bit, you know, at some point, surely, for an eternity, I'm going to have all the answers answered. Like, I'm going to ask the questions, I'm going to have it answered, and, and what's going to happen after that? Is that why we all learn harp? Because we're bored? 
Like, what, what does it look like after that? But the good thing is, is that God is limitless. One of the things that draws me into the character of God and gives me hope for, for who he is, is as we study and research the universe, we've come to find that it's actually expanding, right? Scientists who, who study space are like, space keeps going and it keeps growing and it keeps getting bigger and bigger. And, and it's so exciting because that means that the God who's behind that expansion must be even bigger than that. The psalmist says, great is the Lord and abundant in power, his understanding is beyond measure. Think about it. If God has the capacity to be this creative, this loving, this merciful, this right, this expansive, how incredible would it be to get to know the different facets of him? My friend Steve Jantz once said to me, he said, the amazing thing about this is that in a million years with God, we're going to know him a million years more. But a million years after that, we're going to know him even more. That's an awesome picture. That should give us hope, not for a narrow future, but for an expansive one. I think about it a little bit like my relationship with my wife, Amy. I love my wife. I have loved her since very shortly after I met her, long before she loved me. And uh, I, I, I have grown in that love for her. I remember on my wedding day standing at the top of the aisle and I was giddy. Like I couldn't sit still as she entered the room. I'm like moving around my, my ADHD brains like firing on all symbol, uh, cylinders and I'm going crazy and I'm so excited because I'm so in love with her. And what's amazing is now 13 years later, I actually love her more than I did back then. I love her more than I did back then because as I get to know her, I see more of her and I begin to understand the beauty of how God created her. That's just, that's just the foretaste. That's the foreshadowing. Think of the person you love the most, family, friend, whoever it is, and how you've grown in your love for them. That's just a little bit of what an eternity with God is going to be like. C.S. Lewis gives us a, a great other picture of this in his book, uh, Prince Caspian, which is part of the Chronicles of Narnia series. There's this part where the children, Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy, find themselves back in Narnia after having been away for a long time. And, and Aslan, who's the great king, and Lionwright, he, he's nowhere to be seen. But as Lucy, the youngest, comes on in, she, she really wants to see him again. And so they're waiting and waiting and waiting, and one night they go to sleep until she alone is awoken by a great stirring in the forest. There's these sounds. There's this movement. And then she hears a voice calling her. And so while the other children sleep, she, she ventures out into the woods and into a clearing. And let's read what happens after this. It says, a circle of grass smooth as lawn met her eyes, with dark trees dancing all around it. And then, oh joy, 
he was there. The huge lion shining white in the moonlight with his huge black shadow underneath him. But for the movement of his tail, he might have been a stone lion, but Lucy never thought of that. She never stopped to think whether, she, whether he was a friendly lion or not. She simply rushed to him. She felt her heart burst if she lost a moment. And so the next thing she knew, she was that, uh, that she was kissing him and putting her arms as far around his neck as she could. And she was rubbing her face into his beautiful, rich silkiness. Aslan, Aslan, dear Aslan, she sobbed. At last. The great beast rolled over on his side so that Lucy fell half sitting and half lying between his front paws. He bent forward and touched his nose with her tongue. His warm breath came all around him. She gazed up into his wise face. Welcome, child, he said. Aslan, you're bigger. That is because you are older, little one, answered he. Not because you are? I am not, but every year you grow, you will find me bigger. It's impossible for any single one of us to have a full picture of what our future can look like. Because we, as young as we are, still see him so small. But the great news is, our future is expanding. And as we get to know him, our future will expand even more. And so as followers of Jesus, we can take heart that no matter what we face in the day-to-day, no matter what you went through this past week or past month, whatever things you're going to face this next week, even if it was death, we would know that we can walk out with the full assurance of the fact that Jesus has died and been resurrected, and that because of that, nothing can separate us from the love of God if we trust and believe in him. However it will happen, whether we'll open our eyes and and we'll see ourselves in heaven for the first time or whatever takes place as we're resurrected back to life, we will be in the presence of the God who loves us and we will be surrounded by all of him and everything that he has in store we will get the great privilege of knowing the God who makes all things new as we get to know him. If there's any one of us, though, here who are today and we have yet to find hope for our future, if we have yet to put our trust in him, I would encourage you to accept the invitation that Jesus has laid before you. Jesus is calling. He's the voice from the darkness and wilderness saying, come to me. I want you to experience life and life to the full so that even in death, there will be more for you in store. Our God is so big. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message. God, I thank you that you didn't just give us a way to come to you. You didn't just give us a way to some wisdom to go through the tough times, but you gave us a picture for what's in store. God, thank you for the hope that we have. Thank you for 
for the love that you have extended. God, I just thank you that you would love us enough, care about us enough, consider us enough that you would dwell with us first in the person of Jesus, but that you have a plan for that in store in the new heaven and new earth. And so, Lord God, I pray for everyone here that we would have an expanded picture and that we would keep that forefront in our mind as we go through difficult things, as we walk alongside those are, who are hurting and struggling as well. How will we have hope even in death that one day we will be resurrected again to be in your presence because of the power of the gift you have given us to be able to trust and follow you. Lord God, we thank you for this word and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.